All right. Well, I'm excited about today. Are you excited? All right. It's okay to talk in church. Um, I don't mind, you know, <laughs> doing youth ministry all those years. I'm used to a little movement. And then preaching overseas, that's even more fun. I've been preaching with dogs running through the service and all sorts of things happening. So that doesn't bother me. I like feedback. I like hearing what you think. So I'm curious, how many of you have uh, done well with your uh, New Year's resolution so far, your goals? I'm not seeing a lot of hands here. Okay, it's all right. You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay. I hope you chose one and that you're working at it. And I, I, you know, it's one of those things that, like I said, if you wanted to share that with somebody who cares about you and hold you accountable, it's a good idea. If you've already felt like maybe you haven't achieved it, don't give up. The key is not to give up. The key is the persistence to keep working at it. I would, I would say it even like this. Sometimes it's just achieving one thing, maybe one a day, maybe one a week, making that happen. And so I've got another question for you. How many of you enjoyed uh, 2021 so far? Anything interesting happened this week? Anybody? It's been a crazy week, right? Has, has the politics surprised anybody? <laughs> a lot of no's out there. Okay. Um, anybody get down over it? Okay. I appreciate the honesty. I heard some yeses and no's. Um, anybody make, make you happy? <laughs> yes and no's. Okay. Let me just say this. Let me say this. Buckle up. I don't know anything. I don't have like a direct line to anybody. I'm just saying buckle up. You know why? Because this is life today. And I don't think any of us could have said last year in 2020 on this Sunday what the 2020 was going to be like. No one would have ever guessed what we've all been through. The lockdowns, the, the, I mean, you're all wearing masks out there and all of that. Nobody would have guessed any of that. And it used to be we had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen next. And I don't know that we know that anymore. And people often say, well, when are we going to get back to normal? And I have to first ask them, well, what do you think by normal? What do you mean by that? And what is your normal? Because so many things have changed. And I'm not sure about that. I'm still not I used to wear masks. It's probably happened three times this week that I walked into some place and, and I realized, oh, I didn't have my mask. But thankfully, I just always put one in my pocket, so I'm ready to go. I don't have to run all the way back to my truck. But when you say normal or you worry about what's happening this year, I just want to say this to you. You need to buckle up. I don't think the craziness is over. I just don't. And as I was praying about it this week, um, like you, I've, I've, been, I've been up and down emotionally. I've been disappointed with things I've seen. I've been frustrated. Um, there's just a lot going on as a, as a nation, more than ever. I've got friends of mine from out of the country, you know, message me and say, what's going on with you guys? I heard from somebody in Ireland, of course, our pastor, our friend in, in uh, Jamaica, Pastor Grant, and different ones. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. What to tell you. So as I was praying about this, you know, I, I really feel like um, God dropped something in my heart that um, as I was praying about it, there's some things. And I felt like one of the things he was saying is this, that it fits perfectly with the vision I already gave you. Do you ever have that happen where something comes up and you're thinking, well, what should we do now? And, and basically it's like, do what I told you to do. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that. Because I don't know all the, all the details and all the nuances and all the ups and downs and all that. But I do know some things. So sometimes what you need to do in life is stick with what you do know. Because it can be easy to be very distracted and confused and upset or up or down or happy or whatever you are with whatever comes. But then you get sidetracked from the most important things, the things you know to do. So I don't know a lot, but I at least know what to do. Here's what I want to leave with you. I want to keep saying this enough that it's stuck in your heart and mind for a long time. You know, as a church, that we've been saying this for years and years. Love God, love others. That is the Christian 
uh, message, the Christian mission for every church, every Christian forever. That is it. That will not change. It doesn't matter what government or whoever, and none of that matters. That will never change. And as I told you last week for a church, I really feel like an emphasis for us this year is this. To connect with God, connect with people, and then connect with a hurting world. It doesn't really change. No matter who's in charge, no matter what happens, no matter who gets blocked or discontinued or shut out or censored or whatever, none of that changes. We're still supposed to connect with God, to connect with people, and to connect with a hurting world. That doesn't change. And, you know, uh, Pastor Nick pointed this out, and I've really been spending a lot of time in this. There's a roadmap right in the book of Acts for this exact situation. And you may be thinking, well, well this, never exact, this exact situation never happened before. Well, not here, but it happens in other countries, and it's happened in other places where you know, things have been tumultuous. And certainly believers have lived in, in society where it wasn't always positive for the Christian uh, message. Uh, that's not new. But the believers in the book of Acts, if you turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and think about what had just happened. Most, most people see this as the birth of the church. Jesus told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait till I send the, mes- the messenger that's going to come with you. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And then this is the aftermath of that. Here's what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I want to emphasize a couple things first. That is connect with God. Maybe you never thought of it this way, but that is what that is. What they were doing is the disciples, the believers were getting together. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which you now have in a book that you can devote yourself to. You can come in here and hear teaching. You can hear teaching almost anywhere now. It's so available. And to fellowship and to sharing meals and to prayer. That is connecting with God. Maybe you never thought of it like that, but, but that is what it is. I've talked to Christians who um, maybe they're not connected to a church. And a lot of our believers, you know, they're watching online, and I'm glad you're connected that way. But there are some Christians who don't see the value in being around other Christians. And what, what makes me sad about that is we miss out on their connection, and they miss out on a connection with other Christians. The fact is, as you do that, you are connecting with God. You are deepening your relationship with him. And then the next verse, 43, a deep sense of awe came over all them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I want to, I want to stop right there for a second. You, know, if you never thought about it like this, maybe. I haven't either. But if you get that first part right, the connect with God, then God shows up. Things happen. When you connect with him, then you are in awe. And when you are in awe, you cannot help but tell other people. And the way you present your faith to them will have a different kind of power and a different kind of convincing than if it's just a ho-hum thing that you just take for granted. It's been easy to coast as Christians for a long time. And we, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty favorable thing. Everybody's thought it was wonderful. But the thing is, the more time you spend with him, the more you're in awe of him, the more it will change your life and change the way you relate to others. Look at this next part, connecting with others. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
Did, did you notice how many times it said together and shared? That's about connecting with people. I, I really believe this. I believe that one of the things that, one of the negative things about the, this whole COVID experience for a lot of us is it's created a division, a separation between people. And I feel like one of the missions of the church, this church in particular, but the church, Christians, is to connect. And I've told you this before, and it's difficult, and people, people ask, why do you wear that crazy mask? Have you seen my mask? <laughs> I wear this mask, and I wear this one because it helps me connect with people. It, it's a face. So instead of this uh, nondescript thing, I've got a face on. And here's what happens. This happens so many times a day, I'm just so used to it. They'll say, oh, it, it moves with your mouth. I'm like, yeah, it does. And all of a sudden, I've got a connection that I didn't have a minute ago because a lot of times you walk into places and people don't even look at each other's eyes anymore. And I'll say hello to someone and they just kind of look up startled like, wow, you talked to me? We need to connect. I find that another sad thing that I've seen is people have disconnected and maybe it's over politics or maybe it's over even the mask issue, mask, no mask, or, or how much can we touch or not touch or how much you know, interaction are we going to have? God did not make us to be separate. He made us for connection. I'm not saying violate the rules or make, be unhealthy. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we have to find a way to connect and be safe. And I think we can do that. Do you think we can do that? I think we can do that. I don't think it has to be a, a situation where we're, we're angry and fighting about all this stuff. We can find a way to connect. That's what I feel like God is calling us to. Connect with people. Now, whether you connect here through one of the connect groups we're going to be getting new connect groups soon. Whether it's that or you connect with, with uh, you know, people that you run into day to day. Whatever it is, God is calling us to connect. It's going to be different, but different's okay. We've lived in this world for so long and you get so used to one way, but it doesn't have to be uh, impossible. We need to connect. That last part of that verse that we just read, it talked about that each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And it said, all the while praising and enjoying the goodwill of people. I feel like as a church, we need to connect with the hurting world. We've got a world that is hurting. Now, they're hurting in different ways. And as you walk through life, you see the different ways. Of course, there's people who are financially struggling. Of course, there's people who have relationship issues. Of course, there's people with physical issues. You know people who are hurting. But the deepest hurt that anybody will ever have is the hurt where they do not have a relationship with Christ. There's nothing like that hurt. Now, we can meet those other physical needs, and we should, but if we're not anxious and ready to meet that first most important need, then we're not meeting the most important needs of all. I, I don't want to be harsh with you all, but it's great to be well-fed, but you can still go to hell like that. And miss out on a relationship with Jesus forever. All those things matter. We can do more than one thing at one time. This is what always cracks me up. It doesn't have to be one or the other. We can do both. You can help meet people's physical needs. And at the same time help meet their spiritual need. The greatest need of all. And sometimes meeting the physical need. Gets you the audience to meet the spiritual need. But we still have to be ready to meet that spiritual need. I do think this is going to be a crazy year. I honestly do. And I think the craziness can be distracting and can distract us from our number one goal, which should always be to lead people to Christ. Important things are going to happen. It's going to be disturbing. Votes matter. Politics. I get all that. 
Believe me, I do. And if you know me, you know I do. It's important to me. But don't expect people who are not Christians to share your values or people to have different ideas. I want you to expect to be labeled and judged for your values. That's okay. Is there going to be persecution? I don't know. As Christians, we, we haven't even, in America, we haven't even really lived with what real persecution is. I don't know about you. I mean, I, mean, I remember in you know, middle school, high school, and maybe getting fun of for being a Christian. We did a Bible study on c- campus, and we did it right there in the middle of the lunch. California, of course, you're outside in front of everybody on the lawn. And, and we had a lot of people, but they knew who we were. I knew all of them. I didn't care. And it wasn't like super persecution. It was kind of kidding around, and so I would just tell them, why don't you join us and check it out? You don't know anything about it. I mean, whatever. That's nothing, right? I've told you stories about in college when I challenged the, a professor about, you know, when he said, Christians, if you're Christians in here, you can't ask questions, and I just said, why? And it ended up being a big deal. And, but you know what? That's nothing. Most of the time, it's been real comfortable to be a Christian. You know, people have asked, are we going to lose our tax-exempt status? Maybe. I'm okay with that. If that's what it takes. The church existed long before tax-exempt status, and it'll exist long after. Even if we were to lose this building, I mean, is that really what the church is? No, you are the church. You are the church. None of that should distract us from our main goal. I've gotten a bunch of texts this morning about, um, you know, what, what it's safe to preach from the pulpit today. You know what? I don't care about that. What I care about is people going to heaven, and we need to make sure they do. So if somebody asked me the other day, they said, well, where is God in all this? You know where he is? He's where he always is. He's always moving on the hearts of people. Yes, he, he raises governments, lowers them. He, he has all these things going on. People ask me, do you think Jesus is coming back soon? Yeah, I do, and I've thought that for a long time. But, but you know what? He's not com- he wants to come back and take everybody with him. So if we are missing the most important thing, then we're missing it. He's moving on the hearts of people. And you know what he wants to do more than anything else? He wants to connect with them. He wants the connection. I've got very, two very important points for you today. Very, very important. I don't want you to miss these two. Here they are. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you both points, and then I'm going to hit one at a time. The first one is this. A relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. That's it. It's the most important thing. That's it. Number two, you are God's plan to make it happen. It's a pretty simple sermon, really. That's it. We could stop right now if you got it. You guys got it? We good? Well, let me, okay. I didn't hear a big, okay. <laughs> Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He told his disciples that in John chapter 14, verse 6. He told them that. I want you to think about it maybe from the perspective that the disciples did at the time. They were still Jews practicing Judaism. Do, do you understand how revolutionary that was for them to hear? How revolutionary? They were part of a different religion at the time. And Jesus said, the only way to the Father is through me. What, what were they thinking? I think part of what they were thinking was, well, what about the temple? What about the sacrifices? I thought that's how we get to God. Maybe they were thinking, what about all the feasts? What about, what about us being good Jews and only eating kosher? I'm sure some of those thoughts crossed their mind. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that cut across the grain of society just as much as it does today. 
Because today we live in a world where it's all pluralistic and they think every way gets to God. I love Pastor Dave used to say this all the time. Yes, every way goes to God. They just don't all go to heaven. They will get you somewhere, but not to heaven. The truth is, every single religion there is says they're the only way to. That's exactly it. Every single one of them is exclusive in that claim. Whether it's the Eightfold Path or, or the Five Pillars, it, it doesn't matter. They all say that. Even the secular religions, the secular belief systems that there is no God, that you've got you to hold the line there too. They're very exclusive also. So this claim that, you know, that, that we as Christians are exclusive, yes, we are. The fact is, he said it. He's the only way. So if you're here today and you, you're, you're not sure about that or you're questioning it, spend some time and talk to him about it. He didn't say it to, to try to be mean. He said it out of love. He wants them to know the way. I heard an example like this years ago, and it stuck with me so big because what, basically it's like this. Let's say we're in a room and, and the smoke is rising and there's a fire, and you know the way out. Do you say it? Do you tell them? Or do you stop, don't tell them because somebody might get their feelings hurt because they want to say, no, 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 there's multiple ways out. But you know the one true way. If there's one way, there's one way. And he says it out of love because he cares and he wants a relationship. That's why he says it that way. Later on, as Jesus was talking, that, that John chapter 14 is a full discourse of John talking to the disciples. So later in verse 23, he says this, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. A relationship with Jesus is the way to God. That's what he wants. He wants relationship. He doesn't say it to be mean or to, to not let people, other people like him. It's not like that. He says it because he loves people and wants a relationship. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, well, there should be other ways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or maybe you say, well, I think I should be able to decide my own way. Well, you know what? If you do, that's your opinion. And basically, it's the same exact thing Adam and Eve wanted to do to make up their own way. And that's what the enemy would love for everybody to think, that you can just decide your own way. But the fact of the matter is there's a God in heaven. He created us for a relationship, and he told us how to have it. He did. He loves us. He created us for a relationship. God loves you. He cares about every single human being that he ever created. Every single one. He put his identity into us. He put his image into us. That's one of the reasons, like in the Bible reading we're doing with the YouVersion Bible app, I, I love this point it made last, this week where it talked about the idea that when God, one of the reasons God doesn't want us to put other idols up or create images is, is because he already put his image in somebody. He put it in us. And each of us are supposed to return that and love him and have a relationship with him. That's the whole idea. And because of the things that we have done wrong, we've separated ourselves from him. And we can't work ourselves back to him. We can't be perfect enough to be good enough. None of us could ever be. All of us have sinned. And all of us are bent towards sin. We all have that. It's different for all of us. Some of us are bent toward other things, maybe more selfish or more gossipy or more gluttony or whatever your sin. I mean, we all are drawn towards some type of sin. And yet... We can't make ourselves better on our own. And God knew that. So he loved us enough to make a way. So he sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice. And then we, we, all we have to do is to accept that sacrifice and surrender ourselves to him. And then we can live with him forever. That's it. Now, a lot of people reject that. But the bottom line, the reason they do is 
they do want to make the rules for themselves. And they want to decide how to get to heaven or what it's like. And think about it. As you look at the Christian life and you compare that to, to, to how most of us in human nature live our lives. Compare it. I mean, most of us, the, the natural way is greed and the natural way is controlling everything. And the natural way is about self and celebrity. And the natural way is about people using people and then valuing things rather than valuing people and using things. The natural way is taking things that you haven't earned from other people, whether it's through the government or through yourself or whatever. That's the natural way. In the book of Galatians, Paul lays it out like this. I want you to, let's just look at this passage in chapter 5. He says, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. He's comparing the normal life to the Christian life. He's saying, you have been called to live in freedom. A lot of times people don't see this as freedom. Instead, they see it as a bunch of rules. What you don't understand is we're, we're trapped in our own human nature. And what God does is free us from that and lets us live in such a way that is true freedom. And people don't even know it. Because they're so trapped in the way they are. I've used this example before, but our pastor in Minnesota, his son wanted a bunny so bad. Maybe you've had this happen. And he never took care of the bunny. You guys ever had that? And you end up, you're the parent of the pet instead of the kid. So they had this bunny. I remember him telling us this story. And he kept telling his son, if you don't take care of that bunny, I'm going to just let it go. Because you're, it, it, you're never around it. It's, it smells horrible. You don't clean it. I, I'm doing it all the time. And so he got fed up. So you know what he did one time? He took the bunny out in the backyard. They lived in the, in the country and there's woods and all that. And he said the cage was filthy, you can imagine. And the poor bunny's just in there. Hadn't been fed. Wasn't enough water. Takes it out and he opens the door. What did he expect will happen? The bunny to bolt out of there, right? Freedom! Live on your own, eat, eat the grass, you know, enjoy life. And the bunny didn't go. He said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to enjoy this life? And it's kind of like us sometimes, it's in, and we live in the world, we get so comfortable with our way of life and the, what it is, and we don't even realize what freedom would be. So we live in a squalor and a, and a pit, and we don't even know it. So he said, he's not a real outdoorsy guy at all, and he's like, how am I going to get this bunny out of here? So he sees a stick laying there, and he pokes through the cage to get the bunny out. And the bunny's like, what are you doing? I'm comfortable in here. So the bunny looks at him and, and hops out a little bit. And he goes, finally, go, 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 enjoy your life. What did the bunny do? Hopped right around and went back in the cage. So he probably did the right thing and put it in, you know, in the paper and gave it away to somebody who wanted to care for a bunny. It's just like us. We do the exact same thing. We've been called to live in freedom but we don't even know what it is. So then Paul goes on and he says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Christianity is such a beautiful thing. If we really follow it, everybody's needs get met because we love and serve each other. It's, <laughs> we serve each other. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're always biting and devouring each other, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So then he goes on in verse 16. So, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. 
But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. These forces are fighting each other. I've, I've said it like this a million times. What you feed grows. If you feed your, you free, feed your sinful nature, that grows. It grows. If you feed your godly nature, that's what grows. There's a, there's a war going on inside of us to, to, to draw us one way or the other. He goes on, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I only chuckle because, oh my goodness, dude. Does that sound familiar? Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I I want you to catch this part. The, The Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of the sinful nature. God wants you to live different. He works on you in the inside, but then we have a part in that too, and we have to walk away and not feed the evil part. Do you see how he works with us in that? It's not all just on you, but he works on you too. And then he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against those things. He produces them. The Holy Spirit produces that kind of fruit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross, his cross. And crucified them there. That's what we have to do. But since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. (laughs) That's the Christ life. That's what he offers. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's the life he offers. When I quoted John 10.10 last week and I said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that's normal. But Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundant. And that's the life he's talking about. Everybody wants that. They just don't even know it sometimes. Like that poor little bunny, they don't know what life would really be like to be free and to, to, to breathe fresh air and to, to be able to eat whenever you want and be watered and fed. and take, I mean, all of that is what God offers. So that's point one. Point two is this. You're the plan. God doesn't have a plan B. You're it. We are it. Wouldn't it be nice if he would just show up whenever and make an appointment? Wouldn't that be great? Even better, can you imagine? I had a student one time ask me this. Okay, if it seems like God's setting us up for failure. He's given us all these rules, but then you can break them, break them, break them, and then all of a sudden you've, you, you, you're in hell for eternity. That's just not fair. It's like we're set up for failure. Wouldn't it be better if God just zapped you every time you did something wrong? Like a little shock collar on a puppy, a dog, right? You ever think about that? Why doesn't he do that? Because he's not going to force you. He wants you to choose this life. He's not going to force you. Do you think the dog on the collar does the right thing because it's the right thing? Do you think they really think through, my heart has changed, talking to their owner, and I'm not going to run out in the street anymore? No. They don't. That's not it. God doesn't want to force you to do that. Think about it. Do you want your wife to be faithful to you, your husband to be faithful to you because they have to and there's a shock caller going to correct them if they're not? You want them to because they love you out of a love relationship that they can't wait to be around you and, and love you. That's what he wants with you. He wants you to love him with your whole heart and he works and makes that change in you. 
So then as he does that, you then spread that to everybody. You are the way that he chose to spread this life. As Jesus was leaving, I'm sure the disciples are standing there and they're like, wait a minute, where are you going? We can't do this without you. Wouldn't it have been better if Jesus would have hung around to start the church and get it going and do it the right way? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Wouldn't it have been better if anybody stepped out of line, he just zapped them? That's not how he planned it. He gave it to them. They've given it to their disciples who give it to theirs, to theirs, to theirs, to theirs. And here we are. And you are the ones. And it's really a beautiful plan anyway. I mean, I I couldn't relate to everybody. Not everybody, you know, is going to connect with me and hear from me and know me. If I'm just the one as the professional Christian to spread Christ, it doesn't work that way. It's you at your job, in school, the friends you have, your neighborhood, the next door. All of that is you. He's chosen to use you. You can have opinions and be politically involved and still love Jesus. I believe that. Of course, I think yours should agree with me, right? Right? Isn't that the problem? Isn't that why we can't talk to each other and and spread Christ? Because if you don't agree with me, then I can't share Jesus. I don't want to ever let that be in the way. Jesus should shape your politics. He should, all your politics should filter through him, of course, including your social media. All that's true. But you still, it's your job. Look at this in Acts 1.8. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's his plan. As spirit-filled Christians, we should be the ones telling more people about Jesus than anybody else. And that progression that he gives there, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, they were in Jerusalem at the time. What that means is your house, your next-door neighbors, your street, your neighborhood, your job, your friends, your school, your family, the people who you are connected with need to know. Here's more of what God told me this week. Because I, you know, I was just praying like, God, okay, um, what's going on? What are you doing? Where, where, how do we as Christians fit? You know, what he, you know what I felt like he said? I felt like it was kind of obvious, but the difference between people, it's just going to be more and more clear. It's going to be just differences. It's been easy to be a Christian, and people are going to decide who to follow. That's just the facts. I'm not even really talking about politics here. I'm just talking about our nature of our world today. That's what I'm talking about. You know, the church, I believe... Um, well, let me just say this. The second thing I really feel is important to know is the strength. The church is strengthened through persecution. Did anybody sign up for persecution in here? It's kind of those, I've heard preachers joke about this. Don't pray for patience because God will test you and teach you patience, right? I never wanted to learn strengthening through persecution. I don't know about you. But get this. As I said before, the church has been kind of soft. Have we been persecuted? I've heard people say that when they took prayer to school, that was persecution. I don't know where you'd fall in life and generation or region, but they never prayed in school when I was in school. I never heard of that before. So anytime a Christian would say that, I was just kind of confused. Like, I've never even heard of that. Maybe for you, you've seen kind of soft persecution with the way movies and TV shows have done, you know, where they usually mock Christians or Christians are the goofy person or, you know, out of touch, dress funny, whatever. Maybe, maybe it's been the persecution of... You know, most of the time, TV, movies, media, they're pushing a social agenda that's, that's contrary to Scripture, whether it's whatever it is. I mean, if it has to do with sexuality or, or whatever, I, or even other things like this. I remember years ago when I, when I was a youth pastor in the L.A. area, we would take, um, we would, 
we would take students to sitcoms to get filmed. We'd be the studio audience, you know, those laughs you hear. They're, they're not real now, but back then they were real laughs. And, uh, and I say that now just because of COVID. I'm sure that they will get back to this. But one time we went to see Boy Meets World uh, filmed. Anybody ever heard of that show? Okay. And it was a Christmas show that they were filming. It wasn't near Christmas. You know, they filmed those things months in advance. So we're sitting there, and one of my students, just sharp, sharp kid, he, he, they have a comedian who keeps the crowd engaged because there can be two or 300 people in that crowd. And there's microphones up there, and they tell you, don't do any goofy laughs so you can hear yourself later on TV. They, they all monitor all that. And so this comedian's up there, you know, working the crowd, keeping us engaged because they do a scene, and they shift and shift. kind of looks like this, actually. It'd be a scene like that, then they roll the cameras over here. And so one of my students, sharp kid, he just says, hey, why aren't there any Christian uh, Christmas depictions and all the decorations you guys got up? It was crazy because I'm like, what? And I look carefully, and I'm like, dang, I should have thought of that. <laughs> and the comedian's like, what are you talking about? He goes, There's, it's all, what do you mean? He goes, well, you've got the classic Santa stuff. That's secular. You've got some Kwanzaa stuff. You've got the Hanukkah stuff. But there's, no, there's not actually any Christians things, which it's about Jesus' birth, and there's nothing like that out there. On any of the decorations. And bless his heart, this comedian, he was hilarious. He's just, you know, totally secular guy. He just looks around and he's like, what, what would that even look like? And he was totally clueless. And, and in asking that question, he gave my student an opportunity to say something to those 200 or 300 people listening here. He goes, I don't see a manger. I don't see, you know, he just listed the classic Christian Christmas stuff. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I guess not. And they just, okay, roll set, next, you know. But soft, right? Soft persecution in a way. The church gets strengthened. So how does the church get strengthened through this? How are you going to be strengthened through any of this? Uh, And again, I'm not necessarily even talking about politics. I'm just talking about the nature of the world today. Here's how you get strengthened. Think Think of it in terms like this. Athletes training. I know a lot of you have been athletes over the years and still are. And some of you competed uh, in college and and whatnot. But when an athlete trains, they train way harder in training for what? So that they can perform well on the track or on the mat or wherever they're training, right? And you look at the training they do and you think, man, that's over the top sometimes. And, you know, I know when I played football, we had one coach, his goal was to have someone throw up before we could go back in the showers. Anybody ever have that? Some of you are like, what? What does that even have to do with it? Well, if you run hard and you, I mean, it's eventually someone's going to, why? Well, because you're training for a, for a game that you're going to play later. Think about how military trains. I mean, they train so hard. You know, as a youth pastor in San Diego, I was telling somebody about this recently, but so embarrassing. Here we are playing Frisbee and stuff on the beach over in Coronado and not even thinking about that the uh, SEAL teams train over there. So here we are playing frisbee, and we're sitting down, just kind of enjoying whatever. And then all of a sudden, you look out, and the—I mean, literally—the ocean is like on that wall by that wall, and two hundred guys come out of the water out of nowhere. Like, where did these guys come from? And they were dropped off a couple miles out in the ocean and swam all the way in. And I mean, here we are, just sitting on the beach. <laughs> They're training for something serious. Are you training? How do you train? Connect with God. Connect with people. Connect with a hurting world. Are you training? Are you connecting with him? Have you made a goal to deepen your relationship with him? Have you done that? It's, it's something that you choose to do and that you walk in every day. And if you struggle with it in a day, you like get it up and do it tomorrow or, or next week. And it's not a guilt thing. The idea is this. Relationships require time 
and focus. You know that. You know that in your human relationships that if you don't spend time together, if you don't talk, if you don't have a connection, you are not having in a relationship anymore. So if you are going to have this, you need to train for it. I've heard all these illustrations for this. In an un- unintended fire burns out to ashes, right? You have a campfire and all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's gone. What happened? You didn't put the wood on. You didn't stoke the fire. Maybe the wood was green. Maybe you put some water on it. The same thing is true with your relationship with God. If you're going to have this, you need to work at it. That's the most important part of your life. And then we need to connect with others. We do that in so many ways through church, online. It's great connection. All those things are important, whether it's small groups, whatever it is, make sure you're connecting. And the last thing is this. People need to hear about Jesus from you. Whatever you do, maintain your witness in this world. Whatever you do. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to like you still. I don't mean that. What I mean, though, is make sure you are available in teaching. Make sure you are listening. Make sure you are meeting needs. You know, as a church, we've done a lot of things for outreach in the last few months. You know, whether it's, you know, taking snacks to the workers at the hospital or, you know, providing books for schools or fire police. You know, the, the blood drive we're doing in, in February. You know, we, the, all of these things are important. If you have other ideas or ways that we can meet our community's needs, let me know. But it starts with you. What are you going to do? I'm going to ask everybody here to shut your eyes for a second. I often tell you this. I ask you to do that just, just to give you a sense of privacy in a room full of people. My first question is this, is do you know him? Do you know him? You could be in this room and I wouldn't necessarily even know if you know him can't really see everybody's faces with the lights the way they are and certainly online I don't know who's online maybe you do not know him and as I've described this today you realize that you do not have a connection with God that you need to have if that is you would you just raise your hand and we will pray with you anybody here like that if you do not have that connection with him and you realize that you need it anybody at all I'm going to do this because I don't know who's watching online. I don't know if somebody's been hearing this. And, you know, it's, it's seen by literally hundreds of people from all around. And maybe you're out there and you don't have a connection with them. And you know you need it. You desperately need it. I laid out the process. It's not super complicated. It's basically acknowledging that you need him. That you have done things that were wrong that separated you from your relationship with him. And you want that relationship. So you need to tell him that you're sorry accept his forgiveness, and he will come in and change your life. Would you all as a church here in, here in the room and you online, would you pray with me? Basically a simple prayer that just says those things. Would you just repeat after me? I'll lead you, and then if you would repeat after me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. I want a relationship with you. I want Jesus' forgiveness. Change me. Make me new. Make my life part of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. With your eyes still closed, I have a challenge for you as well. If you're a believer, you're following Christ, how close are you following him? Is there, is there perhaps something that you realize just in talking today? Maybe at some point the Holy Spirit has, has made it burn in your heart or in your mind. Or maybe you've thought, you know, I need to be closer. I need to do this. I need to, I need to say this. Maybe there's a person that God has put on your heart today as we've been talking that you know needs Jesus and you're the right person to reach them. You're the only one who could.
Maybe that's you this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would use you to reach this world. That is his plan. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the ones in this room, those who are listening online, those of us who are followers of you. I know I have felt your conviction preparing this sermon, even preaching it today, knowing that I need to be closer to you. I need to train closer. God, I want to be more like you. I want, to be, I, want to, I want those fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life at every day. God, we want to live like that. Father, I pray that you will make the changes in each and every one of us that we need to make. And Father, help us then to walk this out. Father, I pray for those who we know who need to know your Son. God, for those that you've brought into our minds, I pray you give us the opportunities, give us the words, give us divine appointments with them. Help us then to be bold and follow through and to share your life with them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand up here with us today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. Those of you who are in the room, I just encourage you as you go out to make some connections today before you leave. God bless you. Have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen.